Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Diversity, equity, and inclusion programs became a major focus in corporate America after the murder of George Floyd in 2020. Today, some companies are changing their approach to DEI by moving towards an emphasis on belonging. So is this trend in DEI just a name change, or are we seeing significant changes in how workplaces view issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Jennifer Miller is an author and journalist who wrote an article about the changing face of DEI programs with this new emphasis on belonging. And she joins me now. Jennifer, welcome to Midday Edition. Thanks so much for having me on. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Glad to have you. Diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and workplaces saw immense growth in the wake of the murder of George Floyd in 2020. Can you talk a little about how those efforts took shape in companies back then? Sure. So after George Floyd's murder and the outcry and the racial reckoning that you know really swept the country, there was a major push across you know many sectors, but specifically in corporate America, to start taking their diversity, equity, and inclusion policies seriously, or in a lot of cases, to actually create <laughs> diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. Um, I think, you know, this was motivated, um, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways by a desire for real change that um, companies were starting to realize that they really had not focused enough on making sure that their employee ranks were diverse, that their boardrooms were diverse. Um, and that employees felt comfortable at the office. I think, you know, for some companies also, however, it was performative. I mean, I think, you know, there was definitely a feeling that this was the trend and everybody kind of had to jump on it. And so the, the this um, trend of, of really amping up these policies happened very quickly. There were a lot of consultants who, um, you know, started advertising their services um, and companies, you know, were just really eager to both make change and to show that they were making change. And it happened really fast. Hmm. I mean, have DEI programs worked um, and have companies truly committed to that effort? 
some companies really have. In my reporting, you know, talking to companies across the tech industry, um, across, you know, a number of industries, there's definitely been a real push to try and diversify ranks um, and to try to, you know, help um, marginalized employees, employees of color have, you know, more seats at the table. Um you know, one of the companies that I spoke with, for example, um, Autodesk, a large technology company, um, one of the things that they, you know, have done recently is they actually were going to open up a a, hu- a new hub. And, and initially they were going to do it in Denver um, because, you know, the kind of mountain state, you know, like mountain region, you know, there's kind of a growing budding tech industry out there. Um, but they realized that, you know, if, if you're going to open your, um, you know, your new, your new center in a place that is pretty predominantly white and is, you know, kind of in proximity to Silicon Valley, which, you know, you've got this predominantly white workforce, you're going to lose out on a lot of talent. And that, in fact, if you go somewhere like Atlanta, which is in proximity to a lot of, you know, historically black colleges where you have, you know, a really kind of booming, you know, engineering industry of young black professionals, if you're looking to attract those folks, you got to go where they are. And so, you know, I think that increasingly you 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 have had companies that are following in, in the mode of Autodesk to do stuff like that. But of course, it's not everywhere. Right. And some companies I hear are actually scaling back their DEI programs. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, when we look at the cuts that are happening across, um, you know, especially across the tech industry, DEI programs are often, you know, the first things to be cut, um, which I think, you know, and to be scaled back. And I think, you know, what that shows you is that, you know, the commitment that companies, you know, made a couple of years ago, how serious are they really? You know, why are you choosing to prioritize cutting in those areas as opposed to to other areas. It certainly raises that question. Uh, But in your article, you write about this shift uh, that's happening more towards belonging. So what does that term mean here? It's a really good question because it's a very broad and vague term. So I think it really depends on who you ask. Um, so first of all, I guess like the just a def- basic definition of belonging. So if you if you talk to the Society for Human Resources Management, SHRM, they will essentially define belonging as a the the, the ability for any employee to feel like they are part of company culture, being their authentic selves. That you don't have to check any part of your identity, be it your gender, your sexual orientation, your race, your religion, anything at the door. That you can come in, be your authentic self, and feel like you are actually part of the team and that you are valued as part of the team. So that's kind of like the general idea of belonging. The way in which it has it's now being thought about and being rolled out really varies company to company. And what I was looking at in my story is this is, is this potential problem that when we kind of focus on this vague idea of belonging, it allows some companies to sidestep these important questions of equity and really kind of giving people who are underrepresented access to power um, in, in lieu of just kind of helping everybody feel good. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, has there been any concern or opposition to uh, focusing more on this term belonging? 
Certainly. <laughs> so, you know, there, there are a couple, there, there are a few minds, few ways to look at this. Um, so as I, you know, said in the beginning, the, the approach to DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion that companies took, um, you know, in the summer of 2020 and kind of over that next year, they were really trying to amp up their DEI programs very quickly. And so there are a lot of growing pains. I mean, in, in some cases, we're talking about major systemic change. Um, one of the companies that I profiled, a company called Woodward, they're an aer- uh, aerospace company based out of the Midwest. And, you know, they're they're like 150 years old. And as the head of HR told me, he described the C- C-suite as a team of, of lily white old men. <laughs> um, and, and I think there's a lot of companies out there that, you know, demographically, that really kind of describes the scene. And so, you know, but employees, employees, that's not what they want, right? They actually have a much more diverse kind of general employee base than they do in the C-suite. And so the question is, how do we make all of those employees? How do we help them feel that they belong? How do we help that? How do we help those employees rise up so that they can actually enter the C-suite? But bringing along the the straight white men, helping them to you know feel like this is a project that they can get on board with. I know that at Woodward, you know, they were concerned because some because these DEI programs were rolled out so quickly in so many places. Um, you know, they've. There, there, some people believe that they have really kind of fostered more division than than actually kind of created, you know, help help bring people along. That they have kind of made people so aware of being conscious of their identities in the workplace um, that that they they kind of leave everybody uncomfortable, and so they leave everyone feeling like they can't belong. And so the question is, how do you help some of the power brokers, the people who currently have those seats at the table? How do you make them feel comfortable to want to make the systemic change? So you have now this whole crop of consultants. Um, you could call them belonging consultants or bridge building consultants who, you know, now kind of exist to kind of meet those old white men, as it were, where they are um, and to, you know, talk to them in a way that's going to help them agree to make these hard systemic changes. Not everybody loves that approach. Right. And, you know, I mean, I guess it it is, as you said, you know, the the idea of bringing white men along (laughs) in this journey without diminishing the efforts of diversity, equity and inclusion uh, and and having that in our C-suites and within corporations, correct? Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, so if you if you talk to some of these consultants, um, I interviewed I interviewed a handful of them. So um, the, the woman who Woodward brought in, um, her name is Kareth Foster. She's a comedian, former media personality. Um, she actually, if, if you recall the um, the kerfuffle um, that got Don Imus kicked off the air, you know, a number of years yes. ago um, for some racist comments that he made. When they let, when they kind of brought him back on the radio, she was actually hired to um, to be his his kind of co-host. Um, so that's kind of where where she's coming from. Um, and so she's gotten into the DEI space with a company uh, that she's running now called Inversity Solutions. Um, Inversity is the inverse of diversity. Now it's a little bit tongue in cheek, right? Because she believes in diversity, right? She will tell you systemic racism is real and we need to help diversify our ranks. Um, but and and she's, you know, she's black. She's in her, I think, late 40s. Um, but she will tell you that too many of the DEI approaches that companies have been using really kind of put people in the bucket of being a villain or a victim. And she will tell you that, you know, she feels like that is kind of dehumanizing to everyone, that it kind of, you know, makes white men feel like they don't want to come along with this project. And it leaves people of color feeling tokenized and disempowered. And so what she's trying to do is start from a baseline of recognizing people's humanity, um, of essentially creating a foundation of belonging so that once people are comfortable with each other and can kind of talk to each other, then they'll be more willing to kind of have those difficult conversations. You write that this is the age of DEIB. So how does adding that B, belonging, uh, change DEI programs? I mean, is it more just a change in what we call it? Or are you actually seeing noticeable changes in the application of these programs? It's such a good question. I mean, I think a lot of companies are adding that B because this is the trend. Um, I think they're doing it to signal. I think you know one of my, one of my other sources from from the story. Um, her name is Ershad Manji. She runs um, a company called the Moral Courage College. She does a similar work to Kareth Foster. And you know what Ershad will tell you is that companies are adding that B because the even the very language of DEI has become so toxic um, and so off-putting that we actually now need new letters <laughs> almost to trick people into thinking that we're not, you know, that we're doing something different than we were doing before. You know, is that going to actually change anything? Obviously not. It's, it's, it's aesthetic. On the other hand, again, I come back to this idea of, you know, and what these consultants say is like, you've got to bring people along. So that kind of, you know, DEI, you know, kind of, we need DEI 2.0. We need, even if that means that we need to kind of give it a new title in order to, you know, have kind of a refresh so that people can now start on this work. You know, what do we know about this feeling of belonging in the workplace? I mean, who doesn't feel they belong and why is that? Right. So, I mean, you know, the interesting thing here, right, is that this push toward toward belonging in, in some ways in terms of especially in terms of the consultants that have, you know, this kind of crop of consultants, they're really focusing on the majority. Right. They're focusing on these white men who feel like they've been been left behind. But in fact, you know, what the research will, will tell you is that 
you know, if you are, you know, a member of the majority group, you're at, you know, you're, you're doing okay in terms of belonging. It's not really shocking <laughs> to most of us. Um, mm-hmm. That in fact, it really is, it's women and particularly women of color, black women, Asian women who, you know, feel like they belong at much, at, at, you know, lower rates than, you know, than other groups of people. So, I mean, there are still obviously indications that, that, you know, for whatever strides companies are making, there's still a really long way to go in terms of helping a lot of underrepresented groups feel like they can truly be authentic at work. Aren't these just growing pains when it comes to trying to um, shift cultures and systemic issues within workplaces? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is all really new, right? And and it's all really new and it happens so, it happens so fast. Um, and I think that, you know, there is something to be said for for these transitions kind of being a little bit messy and taking time. Um, and, you know, so I guess, you know, it's, it is fair to say that you can't, maybe we shouldn't expect large corporations, right, to, to get this right immediately. I mean, and, you know, from, you know, my observation is that in, in this DEI work, people who typically are very comfortable um, within the corporate structure are going to feel uncomfortable as DEI efforts progress. They 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 may they may feel uncomfortable, and so I would I guess that some of this belonging is really speaking to to those people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's been a shakeup. Like the expectations, even even if change is slow in coming, I think that the expectations for what is now acceptable, um, and and for what pl- employees are demanding. Right across the board, regardless of what what identity you have and what myriad you know selection of identities you have, um, employees now have much greater and more specific expectations of their employers, and I think that that is gonna that's really what's driving a lot of this and what is gonna continue to shift the landscape. And you know, managers and bosses are gonna have to they're gonna have to follow their employees' lead if they want to keep great talent. Well, it sounds like there is a an entire cultural shift that is happening, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. I've been speaking with writer Jennifer Miller about her recent article in the New York Times called Why Some Companies Are Saying Diversity and Belonging Instead of Diversity and Inclusion. And Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.